0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. For the past 25 years, acclaimed photographer and filmmaker Lauren Greenfield, known for such films as The Queen of Versailles, Thin, and Kids and Money, has traveled the world documenting the with ethnographic precision and art and artist sensitivity a vast range of cultural movements and moments. With her new film Generation Wealth she puts pieces of her life together in an incendiary investigation into the pathologies that have created the richest society the Earth has ever seen. Generation Wealth Simultaneously is a deeply personal journey and a rigorous historic essay, as well as a raucous, entertaining expose that bears witness to the global boom-bust economy, the corrupted American dream, and the human cost of capitalism, narcissism, and greed. With that, let me introduce the director uh, of this wonderful new documentary called Generation Wealth. Lauren, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. This does feel like with the the body of your work, Queen of Versailles then Kids and Money, this is kind of a a, a step back from those particular uh, films and the subjects into a more sort of what I would call the unified theory kind of a film. Is that accurate? And what prompted you to sort of take this this step forward with this? Yeah.
1: Film? Well, when I, during the financial crisis and when I was making The Queen of Versailles, I started to think that maybe there were connections between a lot of the stories I had documented as a photographer. I had kind of long been looking at materialism and celebrity and, um, in a way, greed and a lot of the things that kind of led to the crash, which seemed to turn it all into a morality tale. Mm-hmm. Um the influence of popular culture and how that was spreading and even how that was spreading internationally. And the international nature of the crash made me think I needed to put it all together and kind of re-examine what had happened to our culture. And I definitely started feeling like this wasn't just my journey in these 25 years, but it actually, taking a step back, was a fundamental shift in the American dream and in our values and in our behaviors. And that in a way, in my photography, I had evidence of this shift. And so I started kind of going back into it almost like an archaeological dig in my own photography, looking at things that I had already seen but really trying to recontextualize them. In within history, in a way. And one of the first things I found in my outtakes was a picture of Kim Kardashian at 12 years old. And her rise and what she represented was a kind of cult- cultural touchstone for me for Generation Wealth. and And there were other kind of revelations like that. And so it made me want to try to connect the dots. And as I got into it, I realized that what started as a look into wealth and money and even the pretense of money, fake it till you make it, was actually much bigger than I had realized in the beginning and that it was really about what gave us value in the current society and that that wasn't just money, but it was also the currency of beauty, the currency of sexuality, the currency of youth, the currency of fame, And so it broadened my investigation, and I started to kind of put the pieces together.
0: And it definitely does. We've we've been, the United States has been through gilded ages before. I mean, go back to the turn of the 19th into the 20th century, and you see immense wealth, the consolidation of, you see the 20s, and how that impacted the United States and that wealth culture. But this feels different. I mean, I haven't obviously we didn't I didn't live through those periods of time. So but it feels different because we have this added added extra ingredient of this sort of globalized world trade. And also because of media, we have an insight and an ability to spread this sort of gospel of wealth around the world. Is that been a a part of what is what is going on, especially in relation to your film?
1: I think so. I mean, part of what why I wanted to look back is I, I started to see that a lot of the things I was documenting in the early 90s had exploded in this time. And so they were all there, but they had just amplified. And the drivers for the amplification are exactly what you say, globalization, media, global media, and also the ubiquity of media. I mean, when I started this journey, I was amazed by the influence of MTV and a 24-hour cable station. And of course, that became hundreds of cable stations and then the internet and then social media. And now we live with these devices that we walk around with 24-7. And so the amount of time and the influence of that input has just accelerated. And I mean, you're right, we have had other Gilded Ages, but the inequality and the concentration of wealth that we have now, we haven't seen to this extent since the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and the Gilded Age. So we do have that inequality, but um, but like you said, we have this accelerant, and it's also in everybody's face all the time. That one of the things that's also changed is that the images of luxury and wealth have become much more dominant in our popular culture, that the shows about, you know, the working class, like All in the Family and the Jeffersons have been replaced um, by images of wealth, starting with, in a way, um, Robin Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and he has a tiny cameo in the movie through the Kardashians, and that, as my son says in the film, you kind of know the Kardashians better than you don't know your own neighbors because <laughs> most people are spending more time with them.
0: Yeah. There, there's another element in this, in my opinion, and that is uh, there was a time, well, this is now cool to aspire to this kind of empty sort of uh, no-calorie idea of life where it's just all about the accumulation of. Cool used to be jazz. Cool used to be beatniks and hippies, which, which were non-material, which pushed more in, in, in the arts and more more into exploration of an internal idea of how to imbe- better yourself, in my opinion. And now it's completely and totally, I call it the id of cool now. It is just <laughs> nothing but being rich, being well-known, being famous for being famous. Right. Is that is that a fair say? I think it yeah.
1: is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's two girls um in my book from um from an affluent neighborhood in l a who say that hip hop culture is like an ex- is 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 a way to kind of be bling blingy and ball in without guilt in a way yeah. it's like a, like legitimizes being show y yeah. and I think that's right I mean when I started doing this work in the nineties. Um, and I started photographing the materialistic lives of children, their parents were kind of self-conscious about that. You know, it wasn't considered okay to be super, like, show-offy. Yeah. And by the time I made Kids and Money in 2007, a lot of the parents were present when I did the interviews or part of the interviews. And there was a mom who kind of proudly said, my kids are like... Paris Hilton and Nicole Ritchie, and shop all the time. And so I think that our relationship to wealth has really changed. And it's not something we need to, you know, people feel like they need to apologize for or make excuses for. Actually, on the opposite, when people don't have it, they're kind of pretending like they do, the fake it till you make it.
0: I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Lauren Greenfield. She's the director of the new documentary, Generation Wealth. It comes out today here at the... Edwards University Town Center here in Irvine, uh, on this is July 27th, as well as around Los Angeles at the Lemley Playhouse 7, the Arclight Hollywood, the AMC Marina, and the Landmark. Some great theaters in Los Angeles to go and see this film. And uh, it, it, Yes, there used to be a pushback. There used to be kind of a, a, a natural sort of resistance within our culture to this. But increasingly, and I hate to sound like my grandmother, that we're allowing others to raise our children now. We're allowing other influences to inform them in ways that it's difficult to push back against. I don't know what that is anymore, what the pushback is, uh, on, on, or the uh, countervailing influences on the lives of people who who become sort of enmeshed in this idea that wealth is, is a form of self-fulfillment. Do you, do you see a countervailing influence?
1: Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, in my own growing up, I was really attracted to materialistic things that my friends had when I was in high school. And my parents kind of provided that countervailing um, influence. They did not think those things were important, and they would tell me that, and they would not uh, let me buy those things that they didn't believe in. And I wasn't very happy about it as a teenager, but I think they gave me another set of values that then made me question my own. I think that that's what's happened over the last 25 years and I think when you compare it to Europe, it kind of explains it that these influences from the popular culture and from kind of shopping and, and the, and capitalism provide us with one set of values. But those used to be Balanced out, or there used to be a countervailing influence from more traditional institutions or beliefs, like religion, like a kind of secular value system, um, the values that people got from schools or girl and boy scouts or or family or tradition. and I think those institutions have really become less powerful in our lives and become Um, less influential. And so the input from media and social media and brands and the commercial um, influences have become much stronger. And, And that's why I think in Europe they can see the same thing and they're interested in the movie for the same reasons, but they're not quite as far along as we are because there are still more traditional influences that balance that out. Yeah. And I think you know, especially when you look at young people and how much time they spend with media, I think that you know that's a huge accelerant.
0: Yeah, I also think that here in the United States and around the world, with this this sort of uh, the wealthy are getting wealthier and the poor are getting poorer, there this great middle, this great sort of a shock absorber for the economy and for people in our, in America, has almost is going away, let's say. It is going away. And so it was okay when I was growing up to be... Good enough to go on vacation To have a nice house Maybe you had a, a vacation home Or a, you could rent in Big Bear Or you could go to the Colorado River Or you could do things when you were growing up And you didn't feel wealthy But at the same time you didn't want for much You had enough right. to keep you happy And as we, as this bathtub begins to drain It continues to drain out There's less and less opportunities For people to feel secure enough In themselves and their ability To, to, to form a life To create a life for themselves That is fulfilled Filling enough for them, we're losing that, and that's also another sort of another hammer that's hitting these kids as well. Again, I feel like I'm not answering your question. Yeah, I mean that's why I interviewed
1: my dad, and I felt like in my dad's generation, my dad's father was an immigrant from Russia. They had very little money growing up, and yet he was able to go to a public high school and feel like he could do any profession he wanted. And he and most of his friends were able to do that, and so. That social mobility, which was a kind of heart of the American dream, yeah. has gone away for most people. I mean, the U.N. report on poverty just came out and said we have the lowest rate of intergenerational social mobility, and that zip codes, the zip code you grew up in, is the biggest predictor of your future. Right. And, you know, I think it's, it's the middle class, the working class, the poor, almost everybody is hit by this. And... Um, I think that's why we see this explosion of bling, like for Chris Hedges um, calls it out in the movie, he says um, that fictitious social mobility is a kind of replacement for real social mobility. And, um, And I think that's also part of this kind of pathological addiction to wanting more. Plus, we have this huge kind of comparison problem where instead of... Comparing ourselves to our neighbors who might have the slightly better vacation in Big Bear, we're comparing ourselves to the Kardashians who are going to St. Barts, yeah. and so there's this huge aspirational gap between what people have and what they want.
0: Do we run off a cliff? Is that is that what is that what makes this <laughs> feel different or feel better? Or do we do how? And this could not, in my opinion, this could not be happening at a worse time because the world is facing a real serious situation with the with the impact of climate change on the on the planet, on our ability to generate resources to keep us alive. And right. now we're in this wild pursuit of something that is not going to benefit us in the long term. Is is there well, something
1: yeah and I mean the pursuit of more has a direct impact on the environment. Yes. And when I mean that was really striking for me in China when you think about the love for wealth in China yeah. and what those values can, can do in the context of that population. I definitely feel like part of my drive to put together these 25 years, I didn't feel old enough to do a retrospective or like go back and do greatest hits, but I felt like I needed yeah. to kind of look at these pictures as evidence for what was happening in our culture because there was a kind of urgency to it since it felt like we were on an unsustainable path. Even though, you know, it feels like we're kind of um, hurtling towards the apocalypse. I also hope people take hope from the film, yeah. and I felt like the last act of the film is hopeful in that sometimes it takes getting to a bad place or having a big crash, whether it's financial or the personal crashes that a lot of the characters have, to have insight into what's going wrong and to kind of see the matrix that we're living in. Right. And that in that, there's a possibility for change and for agency. And I think we see that in the children in the film. And so maybe, yes. you know, that's um, a realization that the millennials are having or will have.
0: I, I, there are people in the film who, as you are describing in the last part of the film, are talking about this is not a, a life that you should pursue. This is not what you should be about Florian you home. I'm thinking of a number of people in the film who talk about this, look straight into the camera and say, this is not the way forward. Uh, I have one last question for you. It's sort of a, a big picture question. Do you ever foresee or do you foresee a, a way to reinvent, to, re- um, to reinvent what, means, what it means to be wealthy? Is there a way to redefine wealth?
1: I mean, I hope so. I think wealth used to not just be about money. Wealth was about connections and contributing and um, having a kind of satisfaction and happiness, which we know doesn't come with just the pursuit of money. So I hope that, um, I mean, Generation Wealth is also an ironic title, and I hope that people will, um, you know, think about
0: what wealth is. It's a terrific film. Generation Wealth is really—it's thoughtful, it's insightful. It is a—it is a look at the big picture w- while focusing on individual stories, uh, people who have been through it, who are in it, who this, and all—all all of the different things that this presents to us as a worldview, as a world that we currently live in, and a world we need to thoroughly reexamine in a way that brings the humanity forward and our ability to sustain a future for all of us. And it's a, it's a terrific film. Congratulations again for your work, for Queen of Versailles, Thin, Kids and Money. All the work has been wonderful. I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time, and I'm so honored to have you on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you so much.